Think of all the frames you could get with Luigi. It's May the 4th, 2022, and this is Rare Encounter, encounter number 96. Riding the giant bulge, I'm Abel Kirby. And swinging my lightsaber for all the Jedi dames, I'm Cold Acid. <laughs> those great sounds, man. Those are those are uh, excellent sound effects. Unfortunately, uh, highly overused in those fan films. <laughs> you get yeah. sick of them after more, a while. More importantly, more importantly, being May the 4th, we should spend this entire episode talking about Spaceballs. Yes, we should. Uh, in Star Trek. Uh, can we do some Star Trek, maybe? Maybe start trucking. Yeah, we could, maybe. Yeah. <laughs> Man, yeah. there's... You know what I hate? I hate, what, I hate when my Schwartz gets tangled. I hate it when my Schwartz gets twisted. Uh, yes. <laughs> I love that Mel Brooks stuff, man. Everyone like, loves Mel Brooks. I've yet to meet a podcaster who didn't like Mel Brooks. Uh, it's, uh... There are plenty, there are plenty of uh, regular people out there who don't care for his films. Please, they're called but, normies. Uh, I mean... Yeah, fuck normies. <laughs> yes, we're going rare encounter. Rare all the way. 100% rare. That's how I order my Man, steak. We're, all, we're just at the beginning of the show, and we're already getting boosts. This is, this is good. It makes up for the almost total lack of boosts between last show and today. Yes, and boost with the force. Let your feelings guide you to that boost button. Yeah. <laughs> I'm gonna uh, hit up on those before we before we get any further with our much ado about nothing. Yes, and I'm gonna start off by announcing today's executive producer is none other than Carolyn Blaney yet again, who brought us in a double donation, both of sixty nine sixty nine sats, and both with the same message because I guess because they were sent twenty seconds apart from each other. Back-to-back back 69 for episode 96 of Rare Encounter. Break a leg. Oh, boy. So that brings her up to 13,938 sats for today's show, making her the executive producer. 13,000. And she was followed up by Cotton Gin, who sent in 9999 sats, niner, 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 niner sats. One more for good luck. What about the uh, the thank you one? I was... I'm Those are the... Oh, shit. Yeah, there is that, too. I missed that one. I think we need the, to check our accounting here. The first ones that I saw were the ones from Carolyn. The, uh, the problem that is... That one just slipped in somehow. Cotton Gin uh, boosted from Fountain, and it doesn't display exactly right inside uh, Helipad. But by, by my accounting, he's the executive producer. Yeah, I'm seeing that other one from him now that says thank you. That was sent... Uh, Sent before Carolyn's. So yeah, that would make him the executive producer because yeah, $99.99 doubled is quite a bit more than $69.69 doubled. Wow, so this is weird. I see two boosts from Cotton Gin uh, that are after Carolyn Blaney and you see two boosts from Carolyn Blaney uh, that with Cotton Gin somehow in the middle of it? This is like lightning. Uh, no, more the, the other way. More the other way around. Carolyn's are between cotton gins. Oh, you hear that giggity? All right. Well, um, so what do we do? Do we do a retraction? Yeah. That's, that's pretty lewd, cotton gin. That's pretty damn lewd. I, 
I hope I hope you got uh, I hope you got Carbolane's permission first. If you uh, are the executive producer, I think you get to be as lewd as you want. So, uh, thanks Cotton Gin and thanks Carbolane's uh, for the supporting boost. I think there's a couple other we need to to go down here. When was the cutoff? No, the rest of them came after you started. The rest of them came after you started the uh, opening jingle. So. They get mentioned at the end of the show. All right, so final final scores. Cotton Gin uh, swooped that. He scooped scooped Carblanes like Hagen Das and got the executive producership. Wow, that's a great wow, one. Wow, yeah. And of course, well we, played, Cotton Gin. Well played. So this is how we uh, you could support the show with your uh, uh, boosts if you use a podcasting two point. Oh, app you can send us messages uh boostograms as we like to say and uh head over to rareencounter.net if you want to find out more about the show we got links to the chat room we got links to the old episodes archives the rss feed if you haven't found that one yet and uh send us a boostogram we'd love to read it at the beginning of the show and the only way to show up at the beginning of yeah. the show is to boost between episodes of course you could also boost during the show boost that live tag if you got a podcasting 2.0 app that does that I think there's two of them now. Um, and if you want to send us, yeah, and if you want to send us real money, we still do accept uh, PayPal donations. Of course. And not uh, that we've gotten any in quite some time. Now, the, I think that my favorite way people support the show sometimes is they just send us stuff. Um, in terms of stories, really, and uh, there's some that came in. I think we're going to get to them a little bit later. Uh, at least one of them popped up on my No Agenda Social, and I'm going to pull that up uh, when we get around to it. But there's been a couple things in the inbox that are worth noting. Um, I think one of them is going to be a surprise uh, for later on. I think you wanted to use one of these pieces of art for a later episode. Yes. Yes. So we're yes, going to. That is going. For episode 100, when we get around to that, we have some special submissions that <laughs> yeah. we, so, we got to use. So Boobery has sent us a couple different files of different art he's generated to, uh, to send to us to use on the show. And these are fantastic. Uh, there's... I don't want to describe it. I don't want to spoil it, but I think we need to filter. We're going to have one that we're, we'll use for the 100, and uh, we'll filter the other ones in as we go. Uh, so this is great. Um, yeah. Thanks, boobs. Thanks, boobs. The uh, The other way that I've been trying to promote things lately is I have those coasters now. I didn't bring them up last show, but I have now a box of Rare Encounter coasters, which I'm in the process of spreading around uh, like... I don't know, like a little hidden plague, you know, like a like green butter on toast, like jelly on a doorknob. It gets spread around and we'll see what spread happens. Spread that shit, baby. <laughs> it gets everywhere. Well, we have. Uh, <laughs> well, so thanks for uh, I, I almost forgot to put it uh, mentioned that if you boost the live tag during the show, we always read those boostograms at the end of the show. So you can get a comment in or a uh, a correction and we will read it at the end of the show if you send us a boostogram. The only way to appear well, at the we'll, end of the we'll show. We'll read out the ones that even are, that even aren't the one. Uh, the, wow, my mouth is uh, my mouth is running faster than my brain today, which honestly is par for the course. That's every day. As I was trying to say, <laughs> we will also read boosts that aren't on the live tag so long as they're boosted during the show because we know that some people are using podcast apps that don't support live tags yet despite the fact that their podcast apps are nude as a newborn. <laughs> 
Yes, we love those nude podcast apps. And if your podcast app isn't nude, go to nudepodcastapps.com and get a get a neuter one. All right. Whew. Was that everything? Did we miss anything? It doesn't get it. No, any- but I've I've kind of I kind of feel like my cider has already started hitting me. All right. Well, hold on. Let me catch up here. You, you, you. What what are you what is your cider hitting yeah, you, you with? Up there? Did it push you oh. down the stairs? Pears. Pears. It, it's hitting me with pears. It's it's throwing a whole tree of them at me. Well, that's a pear. This cider is actually made with pears. It's not one of those bullshit flavored ciders. Yes. It's one of those parries, if I recall, from my fun facts uh properly. Back at Fun Facts University, that's what we used to call them. Boobery asked, are y'all on Spotify? Hey, Cold Acid, are we on Spotify? Fuck Spotify! I think that was our... We get the emails from all the different podcast hosts who want to either put our stuff up with ads next to it or convert us to go from... um, Well, at least I get these from Ablecraft if you have a public email address in the feed. You just get spam from different hosts. And there's one in particular I won't name uh, who uh, just keeps saying, Hey, we noticed you're on this host. You should move to us. It's really skeevy you know that's not what the email address is for so man why are you not using squirrel mail then you wouldn't be getting any of that spam (laughs) i wouldn't be getting spam yes of course well we get some stuff going down here uh besides uh the obvious one which is it's may the 4th it's our holiday yeah it's it's the it's the world day of nerds it's the what's up nerds (laughs) Uh, and uh, for the purposes of May the 4th on Rare Encounter, we don't acknowledge Giznep exists. That's my uh, my take. I don't, I, don't, uh, I don't like that they're who, on the prop. Who? We don't... We don't Giz- I didn't even hear anything. I just, I just heard that we don't... We don't uh, know that something exists. I didn't even hear what it was called. You know, I already forgot what I said, so let's move on. Yay! <laughs> I like this... Uh, this... Um, Dark helmet you posted before the show too. Uh, the f- continuing the space balls. Uh, I had to, man. I had to. I had to do that for for the Snake Girl semaphore today. Yeah, uh, and I like I like how No Beret responded. What do you say? He responded with a picture of Spock, uh, with the caption "May the Fourth be with you." <laughs> yes. Well, Rick Moranis is doing another movie. I heard. Yeah, well, now that his kids are all grown up, he can go back to acting. Yeah, so he, apparently, I can't remember if we talked about this on the show or not, but he's there's going to do a, another Honey, I Shrunk the Kids uh, sort of movie where he's going to reappear as Wayne Selinsky, the crazy scientist who once shrunk his kids and then also once shrunk themselves, his, him and his wife, and then once they blew up the kid too. So but, this, the, okay, so this one, I guess, is going to be... Honey, I shrunk. I shrank the grandparents. Honey, honey, I shrunk the dog. Honey, the dog shrunk me. No, I don't know what it is. It might be a. I think they're billing it as a remake, which is par for the course. Uh, for uh, wow, for some reason Ugh, I can't remember the fuck company. remakes. I can't remember the company that made them. I wonder why. Uh, anyway, it is nice to see. Uh, despite the the production of that, uh, it's nice to see Rick Moran is doing something. He's always been a favorite actor of mine. For everything from Ghostbusters yeah, he's to, gotta uh, do, he's got to do more than not kids stuff. I mean, I mean, the only people who are going to be interested in watching a Honey I Shrunk the Kids remakes 
are people who are going to see it for nostalgia and kids who are being dragged along by their parents who are going to see it for nostalgia. Hey, honey, I shrunk our income. How about that? That would be a good movie. Yeah. I like Serpent's idea. Honey, I got us Isekide. <laughs> oh, that would be a good one. Honey, I got us Isekide. All right, that's a good one. <laughs> well, we have... Uh... Couple things to talk about this week. Uh, I only have one or two things to bring up. I got an anime uh, game one. Uh, I get a I get a correction story. It's not really a correction. It's a follow up story. I just wanted to mention. Uh, we did this bit about a uh, squatter a little while ago. I think it was one episode or two ago. <laughs> yeah, I heard I heard about this. And they had the she she came back and. They, um, local news, WUSA 9, um, got an interview with the woman who was quote unquote squatting, living in the basement of the Zillow listing. And, uh, it's a 10 minute video. And honestly, it's kind of a tearjerker. It's, it's a sad story. Um, the, sorry, yeah. I hit my mute button. She had a, uh, uh, the situation was not as it seemed. And it sounds like the Zillow uh, listing was written by uh, an angry family member of the person who owned the house. And so the cut to the chase uh, answer is there was an old man who lived there and he had a housekeeper and, and she was on some in a difficult family situation and he was letting her stay in the basement. And then he got sick and uh, was in a hospital and his family was trying to sell the house because they didn't think he was going to go back to it. And the news was talking to her about the situation. He just clearly had a good relationship with this guy. Um, and she has a kid and they had a dog and everything together. But, you know, they were living, you know, separately. She lived in the the house kind of rent free, but she was taking care of stuff, too, you know, uh, taking care of him. And the, uh, you know, family, they're trying to sell it. And, they, and the, the property itself. The, and, the, and the property itself. And uh, the news people asked her, well, you know, if they sell the home, are you going to move? And she said, of course I'm going to move. Why wouldn't I move? I'm not going to live in someone else's house with someone I don't know. And so the a lot of the kind of comedy from it came from the... I don't know what you call it, the stilted nature of the Zillow listing, which we, we found out was kind of these, uh, uh, I think it was the this man's daughter who was uh, not so thrilled with the situation and was uh, trying to stick it to her. So, I don't know. It it seemed like a funny probably, story at the time. Probably thought, probably thought the lady was bonking her dad. It's, well, she could have uh, but she, she could have But that. she actually saw the old guy as a father figure herself. Yeah. So it's like... So it's uh, it's still a funny story. It's not a it's not a a total tragedy. I, I won't say that, but uh, it's a it's a, a little peek into the living situation. There was a, a little more than the Zillow listing led on. Surprise! Uh, but it was still funny when it when we did it. So I think uh, I'm still glad we did. But there's the full story. Uh, we went back to it, and uh, if you want, we'll have the link in the show notes for the WUSA nine uh, list uh, interview. And you can hear her story in her own words and uh, all that. And there's the there's the yep. update. You get some? All right. Well, yeah, I've got uh, I've got uh, quite a few things. Do we want to talk about uh, Do we want to talk about video games or do we want to talk about tabletop games or what? <laughs> I actually had a little bit about both. Uh, I hope you have the tabletop games clip that I that I couldn't get. I have no idea what your clip is. But I I'm probably excited. don't. Uh, I would. Uh, 
I'd like to hear that first. And, and I have a little bit of both. So why don't you start with that and I'll, I'll throw mine in. Okay, because what I've got is a story about what happened at TSR when Gary Gygax left. Okay. Hit me up. So for, for those who for those who for those who don't know, uh, Gary Gygax was uh, one of the founders of Tactical Study Rules, which was the company that originally brought us Dungeons and Dragons. And at the t- at the time of of him losing control of the company, he was the biggest name in in role playing games at the time. Like everybody, everybody knew about Dungeons and Dragons. Some some knew it good, some knew it bad because like the darkest dungeons and all that shit of the time, where like the chick tracked and. The kid who somebody who they thought like went missing in steam tunnels, but really like gone off to another state. Mm-hmm. Anyway, this this article that I came across, which unfortunately is on Medium, explained the power play that went on that removed Gary Gygax from heading the company and ended up turning it over to Lorraine Williams the daughter of the guy who came up with Buck Rogers. Hmm. Okay. And the per- and the person who is who is heavily and rightly blamed for much that was wrong with the D&D 2nd edition. Okay. Including like the fact that pretty much nothing had ever been playtested because she felt that playtesting was having fun on company time instead of working. So, like, dumb bitch who did not deserve the position she was in, but uh, apparently Gygax himself was the one who brought her into the company before realizing that she didn't really belong there. Yeah. And there was, like, a whole... There was, like, the investors uh, were to blame, as always. Yep. Fuck investors. (laughs) But, yes. So, it, it was really interesting reading through this because... I mean, we'd all known that he had been he'd been removed because of because of a conflict with a couple of the others who were stockholders in it, the Bloom brothers. But it turned but it turned out that that like there was more going on uh, behind the scene that even Gygax himself didn't know about hmm. that led to this. So I found it really, really interesting reading this uh, because I had read it last week. Most of the details have have like fallen out of my head, but the article is there and it's going to be in the show notes. And I advise anybody who is interested in Dungeons and Dragons, the history of Dungeons and Dragons, or just interested in corporate politics, give this a read. Hmm. That's good. I... I... I've always liked the uh, kind of the idea of the company that's built around the tabletop games. It's been a the kind of company that I've never been able to work at. And I honestly, I probably just have some imaginary like I have no idea how it really works. How does a gaming company really operate? What's it like to work there? I don't want to know. I I guess I do want to know on some level, but I'm realizing it's never going to live up to my imagination. You want to know, but at the same time. 
At the same time as you want to know, you don't want to know how the sausage is made. Yeah. Right? It's, it's that sort of thing. So anyway, I see that you sent me in the back channel a YouTube link. I guess this is the this is a clip you want me play. Oh, that's what I thought you were gonna clip. Um, it's a guy who was running a. I think there's a story in Wired. He did a. He has a 40 year long campaign that he that he uh, has been running, and he calls it the best game, best Dungeons and Dragons session in the world. And people fly in, and uh, he's an interesting looking guy. He looks kind of like a dungeon master, but his the way he is, and it's very visual. Like if you uh, look at the, you have to watch the video. So it's that's one of the reasons I didn't clip it. But he says some kind of fun things i think if you play the clip he's just talking about the figurines he has he's like oh you have an elf i have an orc you know but if you play maybe okay. 30 seconds of that's it really see what just it like. the start almost every major decision in robert's life is designed to keep the game going when i was buying a house the most important part for me was getting a gaming space that i could use my entire basement is my gaming area if he doesn't slow down, he's going to need a bigger house. I have a lot of figs. I've got orcs, I've got elves, I've got dwarves, I've got all the basic things that you'd expect. But I also have very distinct and unique figs. I have vampires, I have undead, I have zombies, I have werewolves, beholders, Tiamat, the mother of all dragons, all the big demonic lords from the Demogorgon. The Demogorgon! But also heroes. So all the great kings and queens of countries, the high-level wizards, all of these things. My goal is to have everything. But what's the point of having so many figurines if you don't have any amazing terrain to place them on? Robert has no shortage in that department either. I need to be able to adapt to wherever the party's going to go. That means I need to have my green terrains. I need to have mountain terrain. I need to have all of my winter terrain, my arid desert terrains, my water terrains. If they're going to go into a town, now I need a town, okay, are they in a Roman town? Are they in an Anglo-Saxon town? Are they in an African town? Is it high medieval? Is it low medieval? So now I'm trying to be able to put out a village or a town for every one of these historical settings. So that's probably a good place to stop it. Wow. <laughs> what do you think of this guy? He's he like... Ha he has the Lady of Pain. <laughs> I saw in there when it was doing, like, when it was doing, like, pictures that was popping in and out of different minis that he has. One of them was the Lady of Pain from the Planescape uh, campaign setting. He has everything if the whole video is like 10 minutes long and they, he goes through his catalog of stuff and at one point they they have some players and everything but they uh it's just yeah. at the stopping point at the stopping point he's holding a fucking coliseum he is it's and a, this thing this thing looks like it's wider than he is tall <laughs> there is one clip and i i don't know how to find it so we can't get it but there's a clip where they're talking about um, he's talking about how they play the game and he goes, yeah, you don't touch my figs. Only I touch my figs. <laughs> and it's a great clip that I, I couldn't get it before the show. Only but, uh, I may dance. The, uh, it's, it's worth watching just for that. And so this guy is what I wish, uh, he has the basement I wish I had when I was, you know, 12 years old. <laughs> he's living the dream, you know? <laughs> yeah, I don't blame you. He bought a house. It, it looks pretty fucking awesome. He bought a house specifically his criteria was does it have a big enough gaming room <laughs> oh man <laughs> of course his real job i don't blame him for that honestly i do not blame him for that his real job is he's a history professor <laughs> Servo's also. got a great comment about it 
I'm imagining him stopping his session. Oh, oh, I have the perfect thing and disappearing for 10 minutes. Yes. Yeah. And he's like, he's like going through his, his like library of miniatures and, uh, and buildings and other, and other scenery and all sorts of stuff. Oh God. So this is a lot of fun. This is uh, Robert Wardhoth, I think is how you say his name. Uh, and, his real job, he says at the beginning, is he's yeah, a history part, professor. Part of me, part of me is jealous, and the other, yeah, part of me is jealous, and the other part is glad that I don't have that much disposable income that I could spend forty years building up like that much of a collection of D and D miniatures and uh, and fantasy landscapes. Oh man. It's a lot of fun, though. I, I've never played D&D with minis, though, so I'm more of a pen and paper guy. But it's nice to see this stuff, you know, uh, the really well-painted uh, plastic. Well, the, the miniatures the miniatures can definitely help by giving giving you an idea of the actual like, space involved when you're, doing a, when you're doing a dungeon crawl or even in, like, a wilderness setting so you know, like, how far everybody is. But, like, some systems, like, D&D really try and force you into, like, the five-foot square thing, whereas other systems are much more freeform in the positioning, and you're, like, actually having to carry around measuring tapes of various sizes because you actually have to note, like, okay, my miniatures are here, those miniatures are over there, they are... 13 and a half inches away from each other. Can I can I actually make the roll needed to hit from that distance? Yeah. Servo says, just play Warhammer already. That's exactly what I was thinking. But I had some... Yeah. Honestly, honestly, some of that stuff he had there looked like it would be great for Warhammer and for 40k or for Battletech. Yeah. <sighs> Oh man, I I the most technologically advanced I ever got for a D and D thing was I had of course a sound effects library and uh, was writing some code where you could pan you know depending on what was going on you could fade stuff in and uh, had a sound effects board and stuff like that and I and I played with it and I did a little I, we never did it in a game or anything but uh, I played around with it a little bit and uh, it was fun that was always my idea of what a a good immersive experience would be would be a lot of sound and uh, subtle environmental noises when i'm at my brother's and we're playing kingdom death or we're playing uh tainted grail he actually has he actually has knows this site where they have different music and sound effects playlists for different games nice and so he'll he'll put on he'll put on the tv the appropriate, the appropriate playlist to have like BGM going on while we're gaming is mm. pretty cool. The only problem is that when it there's like a hentai game soundtrack comes on and you recognize the you recognize the song that might be a problem. Oh, that hasn't that hasn't happened. But uh, when playing Kingdom Death Monster, there's quite a bit from Dark Souls uh, soundtracks. <laughs> oh, there's some great stuff. Uh, the the scoring a triple a title game um is just the same as scoring a movie and even more complicated i mean some of these soundtracks are more elaborate Definitely than what you'll more get complicated 
than uh than you know a feature film i remember watching i remember watching something about the production i think it was of halo 3 mm-hmm. and part of it was about the the music production and how how the cues would work in the game so when you'd reach like certain points or at up or at like different uh like your health is at different levels or things like that it would change the music like it would bring it it would bring in new cues and expire old ones and so it would like be dynamically making a playlist for the game as you're playing it yeah and i think they i think they went even further with that for reach yeah they sure do a lot um the only insight I have to that is I had a uh, guy I knew in Colorado who was a music teacher and he was also in a band and some other things. And he got to work on the Red Dead Redemption. Uh, I think it was Red Dead Redemption 2 soundtrack. I can't remember right now. Doing It, it wasn't one of the, uh, the named credited people who was part of a studio kind of thing. And they brought in a bunch of session musicians and he was a session musician. And they had guidelines they would give the guitar he was a a, played acoustic guitar on a couple tracks in that game um the ambient kinds of tracks where if you're going to um if there's rising action or something going on then it triggers and and it morphs into a more well actiony kind of thing but they had all these restrictions like well you have to be in the key of e and here's your tempo for this part and then you have to morph to the tempo to that part and just come up with something they bring put it put in talented musicians they give them the start and the end point and say just do it improvise we'll do 10 takes and we'll uh we'll take the best ones and mix them together and that'll be it and that's how they made a lot of the uh i think it's the maybe you call it the glue in the game you know as things are changing from one thing to another yeah uh, nobody nobody really notices when they're when they're actually playing a game the different the different shifts that happen in the bgm but if it wasn't there you would definitely notice it yeah you gotta have right master chief's gotta go over the crest the ridge a lot lot of work a lot of work has to go into that right because i mean it's you play a game and like if the if the background music suddenly like just changes like one track ends another track begins right that can be that can be jarring or there's all but there's also the games where they don't have like a steady background music track like a lot of shooters and Half-Life and Half-Life 2 were really good with where like if something if something's coming up right the the uh the music will pick up from like nothing at all right and then at the end sometimes sometimes it'll just come to like a kind of hard end that is appropriate for what was playing or other times it'll fade out and you get this night you get this nice like movement from from like no background music to background music and back again. Yep. If you get the Half-Life 2 soundtrack and look at the tracks, they're like 25 seconds some of them. They're not very long. Yeah. They're uh and they don't always play, but when you hear the song in the right context, it just it makes it. It nails it. Yeah, like like uh 
the one of the one of the battles when you're going along what's it the the highway right yeah and you're the battle at the end at the end where you have to stop using the car and you have to start uh you have to start walking yep right the rest of the coast there's a there's a helicopter battle and the music there like is always memorable they've made the perfect choice for there and it and they, it feels like it it's playing throughout the entire battle and then when the battle's over the music like just like comes to like a stop that uh, that provides a nice denouement for the scene yeah no, it's a lot of fun. Uh, soundtracks, as someone who has actually produced video game soundtracks, I'll say that is one of the more fun things that you can compose for. Uh, though I like the rock music stuff these days, the uh, the soundtracks have a completely different appeal, especially if there's a you know you're writing to a scene or to something. There's a lot of fun, a lot of fun stuff can happen there. Another one that I want to talk about while we're on the topic of soundtracks is the Near Automata soundtrack. Aha, uh-huh, yes. I barely even yeah. heard it. <laughs> I was too busy watching. <laughs> too, bu- too busy watching 2B's butt, right? I'm watching it dry. They had that pixel shader, man, that made her butt dry when it got wet. She had a wet butt sometimes, and then it would dry in real time. I know. It was very, it was very <laughs> shiny, and then, yes, it would dry out. There's, like, a whole guy in his job as to, like, okay, you're going to do the special effect on uh, 2B's ass... <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> got to make got to make those buttocks shine. Yeah. So what were you But talking anyway, about? I'll, so the background the background tracks there were there were three different versions of each of those and they could and they were designed so they could play looped as well as fade one of the versions in at the same time as fading one of the other ones out. So you'd get so you'd get like normal background music and then like if you get into different areas or if you or if you get into like different situations during it it can go to like a, a gentler version or it can go to like a heavier more combative combative version of the same of the same uh sound or same music mm-hmm. right and it would just it would just do this by picking up like what's going on, uh, where you are in the story, where you are, like location wise in the game, and it was uh, it was really well executed. And if you get the soundtrack for the game separately, you can like it has each of these different versions available on the uh, on the albums. Yep, we've come a long way from Zeke the Geek. If you know what I mean, in terms of soundtrack or Chips Challenge, let me pull another one in there. Yeah. Ah oh, man, I still some of those I used I still and catch myself so, yeah, was... uh, humming. The ones that repeat forever, you know, the old way of doing it, where it's just a, a everything's a loop. Actually, everything's a MIDI file that loops. Yeah. <laughs> man. And the other thing is, there are there are a number of actual songs on the soundtrack as well with lyrics and everything but they tend to be used uh at certain times in in like the credit scenes for example right there's some fan Although songs there are some some of the some of the background uh, music tracks also have lyrics yeah there's there were some um 
fan songs for Near Automata. Near Automata. That was uh, one was Tubi's ass was was the name of it, and I can't uh, I, I can't play it right now. It, it was a uh, it was a, a just a someone singing about how much they liked their butt. Well, an can, ode. Can you blame? Can you blame? There you go. Oh, dear. You know, yeah. On the on the soundtrack, there are the soundtrack collection. There are uh, three different versions of "Weight of the World" with with full lyrics as an actual song, rather than the background uh, version. There's there's a Japanese lyric version. There's an English version, and there's a French version. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a. All- a good time i need to f- actually play that game once i've only watched other people play it it looked like a yeah lot of you fun, do though. need to you do need to play it i mean it's a lot of fun also getting to make tubies butt and boobs jiggle i've been spoiled on some of the like kooky stuff in there that that really speaks to me like one of them was allegedly there's a character in the game a store where you can buy achievements from it he's like a black market dealer and he'll sell you the playstation achievements <laughs> So hey, you want to unlock these? You know, and you can buy them in in-game currency. <laughs> Something about you have a, a an inventory item that's your. Is this true? There's an inventory item that's like your processor or something like that, or it's your brain, and you can drop it. Yes. And if you do, you and die. And if you re- if you remove it, you get a bad end. Yeah, you just die. <laughs> Stuff like that, like Hideo Kojima shit. Yeah, there's twenty. There's actually twenty six different endings that you can get. Uh, some of them require repeated playthroughs to get them because they're the story endings. But there's like 21 gag endings. Uh, one one has you die because you ate a fish. Uh, one is removing the CPU. And there's a whole bunch of other ones uh, for various situations <laughs> that, oh, uh, that are non-standard game over. <laughs> Well, I had... It's because Yoko Taro is a crazy motherfucker. He's great. He he's the guy who never shows his face. He wears like a big ball on his head instead. Is that the guy? He it's not that it's not a big ball. It's uh it's one of the characters from the original Nier. Yeah. Who but... is also in Nier Automata, I will note. But it is a big ball though. He wears like a yes. big moon on his uh, face. Okay. He has he has like a big moon that he wears a, as his head when he's out in public. It's not a moon. Well, it looks like... I'm just saying what it looks like. It's not a moon. Okay, fine. It doesn't even look like a moon. It does. It looks like a big <laughs> a big moon-colored ball, okay? If that's not a moon... It's, it's Emil. That's no moon. It's Yoko... T- <laughs> it's Taro That's Yoko. no moon. That's Emil. Yeah, that is. Yeah, it's Taro Yoko. We gotta, we gotta get the, uh, the May the Fourth sauce in, on here. Um, by, the, by the way... By the way, do you know about uh, about the manga that he writed? That he wrote? He writed a manga. Uh, I've, yeah. I've. It doesn't surprise me. I can't think of the name of it, and I have not read it. Thou shalt not die. Mm, that's not that's not the one that I was thinking of. But no, that's but that's the one that uh, that's the one that he created. Okay. No, I've I've never read it or anything. Is it good? I, I've read a bit of it. There's not there's not that much available translated, unfortunately. So, so really, I can't say I can't say whether it is or not. 
but I did enjoy what I wrote. What he wrote. Yeah. What you read. What he wrote. <laughs> what I read. Yeah. Those pairs. I, I, those pairs are English. That's impossible. Those pairs are hitting you pretty hard, huh? Oh God! Oh God! They're they're hitting me like I'm a redheaded stepchild. Yes. Man, there's a lot of stuff hitting me lately. I didn't have any time to really prep today. I have, you know, work stuff. That's all I'm going to say. It's just work stuff happening all the time. We're, it's definitely yeah, but you a, also have a giant bulge going for you. I do have a giant bulge going for me, if you know what I mean. Uh, I was going to put this in the show notes. There's no audio to clip, but there are some interesting photos. This is another YouTube video. All, all my notes are like YouTube videos this week. Here's the stupid shit Abel watched. Well, no, it's not a YouTube video. It's a Twitter video this time. Oh, even worse. It's a... Um, yeah. And there is audio. It's just engine sounds. You can't, it's bad audio for a podcast. So what it, what they did is they took in this game, this road, which is a straight road, two lane road. crashing sounds. And they, uh, they put a giant bulge in. It's like a 30 foot high (laughs) giant slope. And they just shot, drove cars at it. And they had them fly up in the physics engine, has them tumble. And they try and see if they can get the car over. But it's kind of captivating to watch. They like, got a truck with a, uh, they got a truck with a, uh, what's it called over it? A truck with a, what's it called? I don't know. A box truck? Yeah, the thing that it pulls behind it. No, a trailer? A, uh, a, a horse trailer. Yeah, it's trailer. <laughs> they also got a cyber, they also got a cyber truck over it. They, yes, they had a cyber truck. I forgot about that. Oh shit, the cops are here. And the police just drove around the, uh, the bulge. Oh no! Here comes the school. No, that's not a school bus. Here comes the transit bus. Yes, of course. That is faster than I've ever seen a transit bus move. <laughs> what the fuck? <laughs> it it flattened itself as it ran through and and started and caught fire midair. See, it's captivating. It's captivating. What the, what the fuck? We gotta work. It is on- captivating. It's also insane. Oh god. Now there's a transport with, with like, a load on top of its load. <laughs> Double loading! Oh, shit. Oh, shit. Oh, shit. Oh, shit. Oh, my God! The cab is gone! The cab is gone, baby. <laughs> and, uh... <laughs> yes, yeah, so as Serpent says, load upon load. Yeah, of course, you can see why the, uh, the video's gotten some circulation. <laughs> it's one of these things you can't yeah, look away from. <laughs> That's insane, and I love it. Yeah. Well, <laughs> uh, there is some disappointment to be had this uh, this week, and I've been holding my tongue on this. I mentioned it once during last month, and I'm going to bring it up again. Uh, we've had a failure on our uh, of of someone else. Yeah. We we're fans of this product, and it uh, and it uh, promises to come out on a regular basis, but it, it has not. And uh, of course we're always disappointed when that happens i of course i'm talking about scan of the month.com who went through an entire oh. month without a scan can you believe yeah, that what nothing in april yep nothing in april it's disappointment so i don't know what to do scan of the month i was i look forward to that shit it's ct scans and it's, of stuff it's may now and it's still showing march <laughs> and uh you know it's it's just a shame. They had a whole month to do a CT scan, you know. And their and their scan their scans library page 
has like fill-ins all the way up to April of next year. Yep. It's very disappointing. And they couldn't even do something like, stupid, it, right? They could have put They were planning. They were planning and it's just died. Yep. They couldn't even put like, oh, a tape measure. Here's a tape measure. Let's see what's inside, you know. They didn't they didn't even do anything hokey like that. I mean, they have the scanner. You yeah. put the thing Makes in. Makes it feel scammy. Like Serpent is suggesting. Scam of the month? Yeah, but you know you know what they scammed the hardest? What? Your heart. <laughs> All right. Well, there's my disappointment. Uh, I thought because they redid Aww. the website, because they uh, they did a little bit more publicity, then they would be on the game and be more out there. And turns out they were more in there instead. Yep. Now I'm gonna swing things back towards video games. We were talking about video game soundtracks. Yep. But now we're going to talk about. We're going to talk about video game fixes. Okay, patches. I've read, optimized, and bug fixed the entire Mario 64 source code. <laughs> the game you see in the background runs easy 30 FPS on a real Nintendo 64 hardware. This is possible because my new code renders the game up to six times faster on a real Nintendo 64 than the vanilla Mario 64 code does. I've looked at every single variable understood every function and then optimized everything listed in this 13,000 line long map file for a grand total of over 100,000 lines of code read and potentially edited. This took weeks to finish and a few hundred hours of concentrated work went into this. Why? I wanted my mod to run at a better frame rate and I wanted the game to run less janky. In the past year I had already rewritten parts of the source to improve performance. Back then, I gained more than 100% performance in the graph render department. I've also rewritten the janky part of Mario 64's wall collision to work more consistently and gained around 100% performance there as well. I also redid all of Mario's triangle collision code. I will make another separate video about just Mario's physics because it's too big of a topic to cover it in this video. So what exactly was left to be done after doing all these things? So yeah, this guy... Um German, I think, he took, he like, well, I can't say decompiled, but he, he went through all the code for, for Mario 64 and essentially, essentially converted it to C and rewrote it all to make it faster. Because the original, the original Mario 64, since it was a, since it was a launch title, they were restricted in how much time they could spend polishing it off, and so the game came out uh, very unoptimized, and this is why things like there was no Luigi in it. And this guy comes along and with what I assume is the power of autism <laughs> has, made, has made the game engine for Mario 64 so performant that you could probably have two players simultaneously in a in a game and still have it run nice on the N64. You know, I didn't realize that the criterion for optimized code was whether Luigi was in it or not. I just didn't know. I've never heard that one before. Well, it's not always the case. I mean, if it if it's a Sega platform, then if Tails is in it. But if Luigi was in it, it'd be that much better. Yeah. Well, it, it Luigi wasn't in it. Think of all the frames you could get with Luigi. 
Now here, here's the interesting thing with this too, is that, is that Mario 64, as shipped, is almost solidly consistent 30 frames per second, and there's actually time to spare on every frame. However, that was, that was with the levels that were released, and if you wanted to put any more detail into it, you wouldn't be able to. So with, so with the optimizations that he's been making, he's been able to reduce, like, the amount of time per frame uh, even more so that a lot more stuff could be thrown in and still keep to a 30 frame per second uh, rate. Hmm. That's a really cool uh, mod or change yeah. or whatever. I don't know. He's, it's a project, I suppose, is the most general it's way to say it. It's a project. It's a project. Yes. So, no, that's that's and great. Yeah, he's he's essentially he's essentially making a whole new Mario game using the engine with all with like completely new levels that he's been that he's been building, <laughs> and it looks pretty damn awesome based on this video. Not happy with Super Mario Maker. He has to make Super Mario sixty four Maker. Maybe yeah, that would be pretty cool too, wouldn't you think? No. Huh. Well, you know, uh, with all this decompiled Super Mario code, you know, there could be some SFM videos on them now. They get those models, mm -hmm. you know, they, they'll just do anything with them. And despite, be and despite being the Sonic fanboy that I am, I have more Nintendo stuff to bring up. Okay, hit me. So, about a month ago, uh, somebody actually took a look at a bunch of... A bunch of uh, games from a publisher who was putting out their putting out games for the NES without the seal of approval the seal have you heard, have you ever heard of have you ever heard of Tengen um i have uh what what's it from again i'm spacing on what the meaning is but i have heard the word it's a it's a term from go same as same as the name of the parent company. Okay. Which was Atari. Okay, yes. Yeah. That's what I know it from. Yeah, so what uh, what Tengen did was they figured out how to get around the lockout chip in the NES. Back right. in, back in those days, back in those days, you couldn't have a cryptographic lockout like you have on consoles these days. Because under the law in the 80s and through pretty much all the 90s, any sort of any sort of cryptography was considered a munition. Yes, well, any sort of cryptography back then was. It was covered by ITAR. Yeah. So so if you were so if you were going to make a console that had like a cryptographic lockout chip system, guess what? You're now producing. You're now producing arms, according to the law, and good luck getting those getting those exported to any other country, even even a Canada. Yeah. Well, you know, it's a complicated subject. And the other the other thing is, at the time, not only were not only were cryptographic locks uh, considered uh, munitions, they also had no legal force behind them that could be you that could be used to say hey they're getting around they're getting around my protections i can sue them to death for this 
Mm -hmm. That didn't come around until 1998 with the DMCA. Yes. Signed by Bill Clinton. Yep. So what Nintendo what Nintendo did, they developed a little they developed a little chip that would send random numbers back and forth and you were expected to have have this on your cards, right? On the board inside the cartridge, you'd have this chip and you'd have to get them from Nintendo. And then there was another there was another chip in the console and then there'd be there'd be a bit on the board that would compare the values coming out of both of those chips and if they didn't match it would uh, it would run a timer that would essentially hold down the reset button mm. so every second every second the console would reset if it wasn't getting these values that it expected from the lockout chip on the board mm. it's a Sounds like me starting a project. Now, what uh, what others, what people figured out later on is you could actually you could actually send down a negative voltage on particular lines out of the cartridge, and it would it would fuck up the reset line on the lockout chip, and so it would st it would not actually end up resetting the console. So Ten Tengen didn't do that because for one for one thing the negative charge attack could possibly damage the console and if you did if you did that then you're on the hook for replacing that kid's uh, video games right instead instead what they did is they they figured out they figured out the pattern essentially and created their own version of the lockout chip that would act just as Nintendo's would. Right. And then you know how you know how they were able to do that? They didn't actually reverse engineer it. They got the they got the copyright office to give them the source code of Nintendo's lockout chip <laughs> because Nintendo had copyrighted it and back then you still in most cases had to register your copyright. Yes. And so the so the source code had to be provided to the copyright office. Yes. By claiming by claiming that they needed the source code for a lawsuit against Nintendo, which Tengen was planning, but they did not actually need this for, they were able to successfully pull off what was essentially a social attack on the United States Copyright Office to produce their own clone lockout chip. <laughs> Clever bastards. Yeah, yeah. Uh, that's a good one. I've never heard that story before. Yeah, so this goes on about that, and it shows the... It shows different boards from Tengen's games for the NES and, and discussed, the, discussed the lockout methods on each of them. <laughs> By the way, when it, can, when it comes to Tetris on Nintendo, apparently Tengen's was the was the best it was actually it was actually functional two-player but because they didn't have the license and nintendo did they couldn't uh, they couldn't sell their version hmm. meanwhile meanwhile tengen couldn't do that but atari could sell their own version of tetris because they had the rights for the arcades so tetris in arcades was the atari arcade machine 
and the uh, and Tetris on the NES was the shitty Nintendo version. Did, so yeah, this was this is pretty neat. I've got a piece of Tetris. Uh, Tengen also Wait, Tengen before... also did uh, did releases of certain Sega titles for the NES, such as Afterburner. Before you get off Tetris, uh, there's a little trivia about the name. Do you know the origin of the name Tetris? Yeah, it's like uh, from Tetrad or something like that because it, that means four. Yeah, but what's the other part from? I don't know where the is is from. Yeah, I, that, that's the trivia. Um, so it's um, the Russian guy who invented it, named it after, uh, because it's combinations of four blocks, he used the word tetra, and then he also named it after his favorite sport, tennis. Ah! <laughs> Did you know that after he came to the United States, he worked for Microsoft, at least for a time? No, those H-1B visas were working back then, huh? No, I just uh, no. Actually, I believe I believe he I believe he emigrated from Russia after the end of the Soviet Union, <laughs> and at Microsoft he created a game called Hexic. Hexic, not yeah. Hexen, not the Doom clone, not Hexen. No. Hexic. Doom. Hexic. Okay. It's a game. It's a game where you rotate uh, hexagons. Okay, so he he likes hex. What's the ick part from? What do you think? He already did his favorite know. sport, Hexic. Hmm. Hmm. Maybe he likes, you know, uh, maybe it was like tantric. That's the only thing that comes to mind. He liked having slow uh, self-denying ah, sex. Ah, here it is. The name is a portmanteau of the words hectic and hexagon. Oh, that's less fun. Okay. Yeah. Fine. Well, so, we got... yeah, he, he came to, he came to the States eventually mm -hmm. and he never got royalties for tetris until the mid 90s yes the uh alexi uh, i can never say these four names pajinov pajitnov 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 yeah. alexi pajitnov uh who looks like a very cheerful man in his photograph is uh yes he, he's got a big beaming smile there in his wikipedia photograph I'm just looking at his names. He had Tetris or Gate Works here. So he has Tetris, Weltris, Faces, which I suppose yep. could be literally Faces, but I'm wondering what his pattern is. Hatris. He has Night Move with a K, so maybe he's on the uh, uh, Silver Bullet Band trip here. <laughs> night Moves! Uh, but in this Hattress. case, this is a game about a knight. He has Elfish. Elfish, but it's like El Fish. Like El Fisho. El Fisho. Like a, like a Mexican government man. He's an El Fisho. Um, I apologize for that. Tetrasphere. Tetrasphere. Look at all these heads. Uh, marbly. Dwice. He has a game called Dwice. Yeah, so El Fish is a fish and fish tank simulator. <laughs> No, I'm liking this guy even more. He has this pattern to naming stuff that is, uh, it's a lot of fun. I wish I could mm -hmm. be that consistent over, what is it, decades? <laughs> naming things with these the stupid pattern. I love it. Well, I had a video game I wanted to mention briefly. Uh, it's actually a visual novel, so it's almost on the anime tip here. About a, I think it must have been a year Maybe two years ago. I can't remember when the hell we start the podcast. 2020. Um, I was reading 
A Clockwork Ley Line, which was a visual novel um, published by Sakai Project, if I remember right. And they had... The first game was out, and I went through, and I did a little bit of a review of it back then, back when we talked about visual novels on a regular basis. And uh, it was a lot of fun, and I was looking forward to the sequel. And it's been a while, but it's finally out. And so I went and I bought it, and uh, I got it running on one computer, and I got through a couple scenes in it uh, just the other night. Um, And I'm going to have the review on here uh, soon, but what I wanted to do... After you've completed it. After I've completed it. It, and just to recap the story of it, it's almost like a Harry Potter-esque kind of situation. You've got almost like an enchanted school. I, I always thought it was silly when I was reading the first one because the premise of the school is during the daytime, it's a normal school. But then at, at night, uh, they have these other students come up. They're called night students. <laughs> it's, you know, it's a little night bit hokey. Students. Night students. So they now, have, there, there's your night moves. They take night classes and uh, they'll never meet the day students. It's, it's, it's a little silly with the nomenclature, but uh, it's a lot of fun, you know, mystery, kind of exploring the haunted building kind of stuff. And uh, uh, anyway, according to the steam page, this is the second of three titles. Yes. It's a trilogy. But, yeah. All characters voiced in Japanese except the protagonist. The protagonist is just unvoiced. He's not voiced in some other language. It's not like he's in Spanish, because that would be weird, man. (laughs) You know what? I would I would actually I would actually find that pretty interesting. You get a visual novel and the the protagonist has has his own voice and it's in a totally different language from the rest of the voices. But neither of those are in the are in the language that you're reading it in. Wow. You know how they haven't sometimes in the audio menu for these, uh, depending on what kind of game you're playing, they'll have different sliders for the different voices. So they'll have the main heroines will have a separate volume control for every girl in the game. So every girl in the game has her own volume control, so you can turn it up and down as you want. And then all of the men in the game will be on one slider. It's like, yeah, I don't want to hear them. I just want to hear the girls. Um, now, how about this? But, how about where where you have a every character has a slider vol- for volume, but they also have a slider for voice. They, are you thinking like change the tone of the voice, or is it like I'm gonna have what? They'll all be speaking Japanese, but I'm gonna change this one girl to German, <laughs> and she's gonna be a German. A bit, the whole a time. bit of that, a bit of that, <laughs> or it's like, or it's like the 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 way in which they talk. So. The character, the girl who looks like an Ojo-sama, you make her sound like she's a hick, and oh, no. the girl who looks like, the girl who looks like she's like your regular girl next door, you, you give her like the robot voice. And oh shit. my god, this is, you know, there was some really bad vocal DSP that got popular. I don't know, back in two thousand five, people were screwing. It was the hot new thing, and now it's people ignore it because it's dumb. But it was um, a throat modification processor, and so you would do vocals, and then you could like change the length of the the singer's throat, and change the width of the throat, and uh, and change the nasal cavity size, and it it sounded really hokey right so it never caught on but it was always an interesting effect to me and so maybe you need controllers like controls like that for the character you know and then you can modulate the voice with one of these uh one of these changing filters i'm gonna make her given how far we've gotten in the last like 10 15 years 
you could probably you could probably have something that actually does like uh simulate simulate like that for producing for producing voices no more having to have like a va go into the studio to record different phonemes in order to create a new vocaloid <laughs> now you now you can say like this is this is the size and shape of her nose and the nasal cavity behind it and her mouth and like how thick her tongue is uh, uh, where like the size of her teeth and everything the lips temperature and humidity <laughs> yeah. barometric pressure and then you can yeah, fuck up with the settings the- and she'll she'll come up as Oni Chan what's wrong come back to <laughs> we it's genius it's genius oh god we need we need to patent this idea right now yes we'll yes. be billionaires i tell you billionaires we need a name for it i think we should call it the worst idea ever <laughs> oh god well, I think we should uh, we should leave this podcast and I and talk about some other podcasts for a second. <laughs> this one's got to cool yeah, down. I it's think getting, so. It's too hot here. Uh, I got a quick rundown. <laughs> we I don't want to forget these. Sometimes I forget doing the podcast rundown. Uh, we have Behind the Schemes Head there, episode 95, Love, Benjamin Franklin. Uh, that just came out uh, last night, I believe. And uh, Bowl After Bowl did episode 157, Ballerina's Boulevard. <laughs> Ballerinas Boulevard? I didn't hear it live last night. I uh, I passed out on my couch as soon as I got home. Um, and Hog Story did their they did a live show right after No Agenda on Sunday. Nice. Five minute limit. I missed that because I was up at the cottage. Yeah. It was a fun one. Uh, I listened to that one, uh, popped in and out. The uh, schedule for the live shows, I think, has changed in uh, the past day. Uh because of various circumstances, uh, it doesn't sound like we're going to be able to make our live show date. Uh, we were going to do a Sunday live show, but that is no longer happening uh, as of uh, yesterday. Uh, mostly for, yeah. there's kind of two things going on. Cold, something came up with him and uh, something came up with me at, at the same time. So uh, we talked to Bemrose and we said, yeah, we just got to pull it. We can't do it. I can't do it. So you can equally blame me as well as uh, Cold Acid. Um. Well, on, honestly, with the with the change in time for no agenda, that actually made Sunday workable for me again. But uh, but then you have your thing coming up, and that's what's really doing us in now. So stay tuned. We'll find another date to pop on there. We have the calendar. We just need to pick something. Um, also, Hawkstory did their episode two eighty eight. Hey, horrors. I'm sorry, that's horrors, not, that's horrors, not, hey, whores, hey, whores, how's it going? Not that. Oh, well, it might be that, I don't know, it is Hog Story. Hey, whores, how's it going? Oh, you can find out for 250. (laughs) Okay, moving on. Uh, We need those voice changer sliders, man. I need one of those. I need that in my life now. Um, I have a voice changing program on here, but it never seems to work with clean feed. It, it always, they've always been garbage. Uh, very rarely can you get someone maybe who already has a, an effeminate kind of voice and they're really fake. You know, they're, it, they're 
performing for it and then they can get the voice changer to work so it's not like you just speak and it and you can do a a voice changer like a male to female voice changer you have to play into it to start well unfortunately <laughs> you have to play into it and it still ne- is never quite right in my experience anyway i don't know oh, some people I are better always than others play into it yes of course we know <laughs> um <laughs> You want to hit the uh, the boostergrams at the end of the show, or we you, we also might be able to do another um, story. What do you want to do? Tell me what you want to do. Oh, we gotta we gotta do a little bit on anime, don't we? Oh yeah, okay. Uh, you're you're gonna have to carry it because I did not get to watch Spy X Family as I as I wished. Yes. Well, well, the important thing is kids are glued to a violent Japanese cartoon show. Oh no. Yeah. Is this an old news uh, article? <laughs> Yes, it is. Yes, that was that was posted by Dad over on Shit Poster Club a little while ago. A throwback story uh, out of the Wall Street Journal of the of the era, talking about how Dragon Ball Z is bringing impalement and strangulation to the after-school crowd. Yes, yes, and ball where, jokes. where the show is described as. A sort of Pokemon meets Pulp Fiction. <laughs> I just don't remember like, I that. Read, I read through. I read this, and it's like, it's like so ridiculous. Yeah, it's. Um, where's some? Where's some of the other things in here that's uh, that is uh, here? Yeah, brutality is a staple. In one recent episode, beads of sweat form on the brow of a character named Vegeta as he is nearly strangled to death by an evil foe named Frieza. In another, Frieza uses the horns on his head to impale a good guy named Krillin through the chest. Even in the news, Man. Krillin can't catch a break. <laughs> nope. <laughs> Poor Krillin, he's, o- he's always getting fucked. <laughs> yep, he always is. There's a little bit in here I thought was interesting, which was the uh, bit about advertisers are lining up, too, including Hasbro, Inc. and Mattel. Even the U.S. Navy is running macho recruitment ads at the end of the show. And I think that was a great move. That's probably the. Yeah, th- that's something the U.S. Navy figured out that the uh, this newspaper could, which is that it was actually a probably good, the uh, good venue for that. Uh, Dragon Ball Z is also. Here, here's here's what here's what really got me. Here's but, what really got me. Based on the success of Dragon Ball Z, the network plans to boost its programming time devoted to Japanese animation to three hours from two, adding two new shows next year. Gundam is a tale of bad guys from outer space. Oh, that's what it is. And Tenchi Mayo is the story <laughs> of a ladies' man caught up in an interstellar war. They didn't even get the name right. Tenchi Mayo. M-E-Y-O. No, that's not right. I didn't catch that when I read it. Tenchi Mayo. <laughs> Tenchi oh, no. Mayo. It's Tenchi Muyo, people. And yes, bad guys from outer space. That's not what Gundam is. And the which I'm is sorry. which is really which is a really pathetic and lazy way of describing Xeon. Char did nothing wrong. They're the good guys. That's all I have to say. Yeah, fucking right. Char did nothing wrong. He was the hero. Those deserved. Australians deserved it. <laughs> yes, that was it. Yeah, he's blowing blow <laughs> up Australia. <laughs> Oh, uh, there's a great fucking movie, man. You, have you seen Char's Counterattack lately? It is a no, great movie. No, I did movie. see it quite some time ago, though. But yes, it is a great movie. It's, the only part that I can't stand is fucking Quest. 
You remember I think Quest? that goes for most people. That she's the worst fucking character. She's so bad. It's it's you watch the movie to hate her, and Char is such a, like a heroic character compared to her. She's just like a walking douchebag the whole time. And then she leaves her, like, she leaves her boyfriend for Hitler on a horse, I think, as I described it once. Like, they're just walking around, and she sees a guy, she, oh, I'm gonna go be with him now, and she just leaves. It's, it is jaw-dropping how, not, how not the and best shallow writing at times. I, I will say it's not the best writing at oh times. Oh my god, she's the but worst. But it was still, it was still a great production. It, I, it says, yes, she, she, she is the one, like, shitty part of the whole thing I, I don't think it's bad writing i mean if it was bad writing i wouldn't care about it you know I would, it wouldn't have left an impression it's like she's just a shallow fickle bitch the whole show and i think it's on purpose it's uh it's one of those cases where you know some people think that good characters have to be relatable or they have to be likable and that's not true at all uh sometimes good character writing is <laughs> i i don't even want to say it but uh it's not that she's poorly written. It's that uh, it's that the character she is is just such a yes. S well, here, infuriating here's the person, you know. She is a spoiled teenage girl. Yeah. So with that in mind, maybe she's acting exactly as somebody would. Well, this is if they were also a spoiled teenage girl. This is one of the the bread and butter of Gundam is these kinds of things where they have. Um, people overcoming hardships on one hand and then people who just, you know, they've had every single privilege and they don't, they don't know what it's like to, you know, live on a space station, but they think they're right, uh, in spite of that. So whatever. She wants to live with common people. <sighs> no, she doesn't. She does. Not really. Come on. Watch I'm the referencing the song by Pulp. Oh, I have no idea. <laughs> I want to live with common people. Uh, I'll, I'll send you i'll send you a link you can play it on the stream after the show <laughs> i just want to read this tweet uh this tweet oh someone shoot me <laughs> this uh uh boost from sir spencer is death to all normies all normies get out and he says inching closer to episode 100 winky and so this death to all, all normies toot that was for 96 yeah. 96 sets from sir spencer for rare encounter the live tag on this episode um, yeah, so let's 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 start from the bottom and work our way up. Okay. So we started off our first our first during show boost was a, was a random thousand sats from summon on on Curiocaster without a message. Next, we got from C Brooklyn thirty three thirty three sats, and he says reboost reboost. He himself was followed up with another 3333 sats from Carolyn Blaney, and she says, for the Star Trek talk, Mel Brooks. Yes, thank you, Carl Then we got another, another random thousand sats from another Anon on Curiocaster. And then, of course, Sir Spencer with the 9696 sats, reing at the normies. <laughs> so thanks, uh, C. Brooklyn 112 for that reboost. And uh, it looks like he... Boosted Curiocaster, but actually boosted the previous episode instead of the live tag. Um, hmm, interesting. That's weird. Weird. So, uh, it, I think because in Curiocaster, we do have a live tag, and it does show up in there. So, if you boost that one, it shows up in our, our thing as the live, as 96 live, 96 live FM talk. Uh, that's 
It's the top of the hour. KXRE! Type for station ID. KXRE, your random podcast station. (laughs) So, how you feeling for closing this up? You got final words, final uh, statements? I think we got 97. Uh, I had some... I already have a document for uh, for ninety seven, but we'll just put stuff in there. That was yeah. Gonna... I'm i I don't think there's I don't think there's much more we can uh, really say today. So we'll have a uh, special surprise. It'll be from a uh, special location for the next episode. And we'll see how that goes. So stay tuned for that. It's a it'll be a big mystery, big reveal on the show, and I'll give a little review of where I am too. Um, I think that's it. Let me hit the button, and then we can let ourselves out the back door. Don't worry. We'll just uh, close it behind us. Rather than letting ourselves in the back door. Ooh. It's, it's hard to get in your own back door, let me tell you. Well, until... If you're long enough, it works. <laughs> well, <laughs> until next time, <laughs> I've been Abel Kirby. I've been Cold Acid. Stay Keep fr- it fruity, boys. Stay fruity, but not that fruity. I had a good woman. But you lay down, honey, and die. Oh, I had a good woman. But she lay down.